You guys have no idea how many times I've re-recorded this intro. I cannot seem to get this right. I sound like a dingus. I need Alex. It, it's one thing to just, like, go off on my little diatribes when he's in the bathroom. But, like, without him, I just, I don't know if I can function. I, I can't, I don't know how to do this on my own. But uh, I'm trying um, to put together a little bit of an introduction here, explain this episode. It's a very special one. We got to do this awesome crossover with uh, the women at uh, the Peak Trans Podcast. Now, if you haven't checked this out, I highly recommend that you do. Um, they, uh, I, I describe them as like uh, the trans chapo, right? I think we've covered that on uh, our pod a couple times before. Anyway, they're much smarter than us, do way more research, um, and they're a lot of fun to talk to. And we had a blast doing this, and uh, we recorded for like three hours or something, and um, and then June went ahead and cut up the first half, which is going to be an episode on their podcast called Analyze Sis. Great name. Uh, and um, and now then uh, then there's uh, the rest of it. We got those dregs, and we cop- chopped them up into another app, uh, and that's ours, and that's uh, what you're about to hear now. I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording, to, uh, you know, uh, recording it. Guys, this is not working out. I, I, this whole caffeine thing has been rough for me, man. I mean, that's way harder than quitting drinking. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you. But it's important because I've noticed I'm a lot less anxious. You know, every time I have that sip of caffeine again, can't sleep at night. I don't, you know, start. I start catastrophizing, thinking all this crazy shit. You know. Worrying about stuff I shouldn't be worrying about. So I'm telling you, it's it's really been better for me, but my brain is just not working at 100% for a little while. And I I hope you can, uh, you know, I hope you can, uh, you know, get there with me, you know, uh, get through this. All right, you know. Anyway, look... I really, I don't know who the hell out is out there actually listening. I mean, every time we put out one of these episodes, I take a look at our stats, and uh, it looks like we're getting like 28 listens, which sounds great, you know. But I I think that as much as 20 of those are bots. Just just the different, you know, the Stitcher app, the App Core Media, all this, Apple Core Media, all these different things that are designed to just like, uh, you know, pick up your RSS feed. And the program I'm using is supposed to filter that stuff out, but I think at the low numbers we're doing, it's it's really hard to, to you know, to tell. Um, and so, you know, I think at most we're getting five or six listens an episode, which is incredible. It really is. And so any of you out there who are actually listening to us, thank you, because doing this has been... Um, I don't know. It's been a pretty important experience for me, and I get the feeling it's going to be a lot more important as uh, as time goes on. So, so thanks. All right. Well, here we go. Yeah. Can we talk about Dragon Ball Z for a second? Sure. Always. <laughs> so, so I was thinking about this today. Is like, I, I, yeah, I feel like there's um, kind of like three archetypes of men that you can like look at and like kind of be. And it's uh, Goku, Goku, Trunks, and Vegeta. Well, Goku, Vegeta, and then uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking, Alex. But who's the uh, ball guy? Who's the human? Krillin. Krillin. 
Krillin, yeah. yeah. All right, so it's Krillin. So you can be the cool nice yeah. guy, the cool badass, or the loser. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. So, so like you can you can be like the total beta cuck guy that like is likable, right? Uh, uh, and you can be Goku, but nobody can really be Goku. Like he's too perfect, right? Uh, yeah. Like he, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like and Superman so choice- in a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your choice is Vegeta, like, and, and <laughs> which 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 era of Vegeta? You get one cho- between Krillin and Vegeta, and so you can yeah. either be likable and like you know weak, uh-huh. you know, or you can basically be like like lovable and feared and kind of evil and like kind of good. Be, lovable does not fit. It's like revered, feared. Yeah. Well, he is lovable. Like he he, he is lovable. He's in lovable in the like oh he's this damage project and like I can make him better in the same sense of like some small yeah. part of my lizard brain mind is like one day maybe Blair White will realize oh, it'll come around. Like you know yeah. I, yeah. It's right. the Tommy from Power Rangers uh, story. Yeah. It's like the character who used to be a villain. And then, like, you know, is, like... Spike from Buffy? Yeah, so, like, used to be a villain Um, and, like, is reformed somehow, but, like, is still villainous in, like, the way that they interact with the other characters in some sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I just want to say, though, Spike over Angel all day long. (laughs) No, I think Buffy's best pairing... You have to go into the comics, but her best pairing Mm -hmm. is with Satsu, who is another Slayer. Because Buffy is kind of defined by the fact that she is this slayer and she's not like her friends and she has this difference. But at the same time, there are other slayers out there and it's like, it kind of only makes sense that for her, because it's sort of central to her identity and everything, um, you know, and she's also like, she's a very sort of responsive, immediate sort of visceral character. Like she doesn't sit around and contemplate things. Um, well, that, may be, that may be true for Buffy, but I'm just saying for me- Oh, as a character is more interesting. Not. <laughs> yeah. So my issue, yeah. my issue with yeah. Satsu in the comics, though, is like Buffy's like sleeps with her multiple times and is like, this is good, but like I'm pretty sure I'm straight because like Joss Whedon has this problem like every single show, like he doesn't understand bisexual people exist. Uh, um, but like I actually, I I like Angel and Cordelia as a as a pairing person. Okay. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can I see mean, that. Willow and Rachel um, to be very Willow and yeah. Um, <laughs> Stereotypical. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really like any of the male characters. I think on Buffy, a lot of a lot of girls stand Oz, and I just don't get it. I mean, he kind of is the Kevin Smith character, the like you know the band guy who's really bad. And he jokes about how bad he is, and he makes a snarky comments, and doesn't go to class and all that. But yeah, I'm trying to think of like games and movies and stuff I've consumed that has like male characters who are like attractive and likable, but not like super toxic. Oh, oh not, yeah. super toxic. not super toxic. Yeah, I think in Lady Clarina Bind, the like cousin character, I think is pretty is interesting. Like he's very masculine, like sports and all this, and he talks about women, and he he's like, yeah, yeah like sluts, and he's like, I like women who are like you know they enjoy sex and have like experience with it because they'll be willing to like they can talk about things and be open with me, and it's not like they're you know. Um, the first time there's not communication, you know, they know what they're doing and all that. It's like, that one's, I guess, kind of decent. I mean, but obviously Gwendolyn from Dark Souls is the best. <laughs> Ever watch, uh, Kim, Kim's Convenience? What? Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, this is a really dumb family sitcom from like Toronto and it's, uh, uh, like a Korean family who has a convenience store. Um, but, uh, the brother from that, I think is like very... Simu, Simu Lu, Lu, he's going to be um, 
in a Marvel movie soon or something. Wow, uh, uh, whatever. That's that's Marvel that's definitely a, not good role models for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but how about this? Uh, anybody see Hobbs and Shaw? I'm not. No, I haven't. Yeah, we both have. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know how much we can. I mean, have you seen? Have you ever watched any of the Fast and Furious? Yeah, movies? yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the yeah. whole plot lines. I, I very much love those movies, um, and I'm interested. Like, I think that's an interesting. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of that has an interesting proposition of masculinity because there's clearly a sexist under not undertone overtone. It's overtone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think that in some ways there's more positive masculinity in those movies than in other like movies of the same vein. Like, there's a lot of vulnerability there. There's a lot of, like, you know... Yeah, it's uh, Gimli and Legolas, actually, I feel like is one of the few sort of male friendships. Gimli and Legolas, and also, I guess, to some extent, Frodo and Sam. But, like, Lord <laughs> of the Rings, I think, is one of the few, weirdly enough, that has, like, men who are, like, like who are, like, like, friends who are close for each other and do things for each other, but are not lovers. Well, I mean, the source material had one woman. Yeah. <laughs> the movie adaptation had two, so... Yeah, it's... How he treats women is, is terrible. I'm not gonna... Eowyn just falls in love with this guy. Oh, well, I like this other guy, but this one guy is close to me, so... Um, but the point being that it's, like, because there are not many women in that, it's, like, there is... You know, I guess it's like a... The guys have to react with each other because yeah. they can't... Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, probably not on purpose, but like, you know... I mean, it, it definitely feels like it's very, like, that sort of, like, brotherhood in arms, like, you know, World War One. we were in yeah, the trenches I mean, together. Because sort of Tolkien literally was. Exactly, yeah. right? That's, um... Interesting. Uh, I, I, my only reference point I can think of for a movie or, or a TV show is because uh, I, I, I just finished it, uh, Full, Metal, Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Kurt Mustang and Hawkeye, I feel like they are like two people who are not in bromance relationship, but like in a in sort of a you know friendship of sorts of like being uh, in. Yeah, you know, you know who I really like the two guys from Worth It, the BuzzFeed show where they sample food at different price points. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes, I think I was talking about, yes. You, you know what's filled with positive male role models, I think, actually, is Star Trek, the next generation. Probably, yeah. I think Star yeah. Trek has, has a lot of role models for a lot of people just because it's so foundationally aspirational. Mm -hmm. My, minus, minus their overt racism against Frankie. Sure, yeah. 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 Generation specifically? Yeah, they're literally like, oh, I hate the way these Frankies smell. Like, that's yeah. literally like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of problems with the representation of Ferengi. Like, if Ferengi had been... If Ferengi had just been coded as libertarians, I would have been okay with this. But, like, they're not, so... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know that... There are definitely a lot in Star Trek. Um, I guess a lot of times you see a sort of positive male role. I feel like it is a character who is mentoring a younger male. I think of, you know, Obi-Wan is probably one who, like, springs to mind. Or, like, you know, Gandalf to Frodo, for instance. Um, the candidate. Yeah, the sort of older, wiser man who um, yeah. is yeah. kind of in some way almost outside of society because he has become so wise or whatever. Um, I, I will say one of the fictional characters that had like actually a pretty big impact on me is uh, Jack Harkness. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like there are more men who feel that way than um, uh, might be expected because you're far from you're not the only man who's who's told me that. Yeah, 
Well, he's like, he's like this guy from the future. And he's like, yeah, I fuck anything. I'm like, of course yeah. people in the future fuck everything. I mean, that's what we've I, always been So doing. sort of deep down in my okay. cynical brain, I believe in the right circumstances, anybody could kind of be attracted to any, any sort of configuration of like gender and genitals. Like, so that's when people are like, I'm really not into like trans men or I'm really not into trans women or whatever. I'm like, on, on a certain level, like I'm aware that they say this. But like uh, on an individual level, I'm like I can't understand. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean that's the whole problem with it, right? Is like you can, you can, people can have preferences and notice their own preferences, but when they publish them to everybody, it's like, well, you're saying that you don't think you'll ever meet anyone who flies in the face of what you've already seen, and it's like, why are you making this effort? Yeah, like, I think what? it's like, oh, I realized the last three guys I dated were pretty tall. That means I can never date a short person. Right. It's like yeah, right. weird. Right. It makes a thing that is a, um, you know, maybe it's a common occurrence, but it turns it into like a destiny. Yeah, and, and there's also the, the really, there's also this really patronizing like, like oh, because that's your preference, then therefore that must like, that must mean that this group of people is not attract like to anybody. That's also really frustrating. Um, yeah i think that's another thing like when we talk about um i don't know like interactions that people have with one another and particularly like men with other men women with other women it's like sometimes there's like it's like this weird like like it's not virtue signaling because it's not virtuous but like it's this like it's a it's a signal a form of signaling where it's like you know it's like oh well i would never be into that you're not into that, are you? Right. And yeah. it's like, that's, that's like extraordinarily toxic behavior. Um, because it's like, I don't know. It's like weirdly policing, like other you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. I think the other one is like, if you are attracted or to, or I guess more so if you're like dating a person, people are aware of this, you're dating a person who is for some reason outside the bounds of conventionally attractive. The assumption is like, it applies to anyone. So you date a trans woman and then like, your friends would be like, oh, here's this trans woman, you must like her, right? Here's this trans woman, you're, you find her hot too, because you're one of your friends are trans woman. Or like, yep. you date someone who's like, a woman who's tall or fat or whatever, it's like, okay, you like every tall woman now. Whereas we wouldn't yep. do this, so if oh, you're yeah. dating like a conventionally attractive woman, the assumption is not like, oh, any woman who is about this person's like, age and build, you're definitely gonna immediately try to fuck. Yeah. Oh, dude, um, yeah, like we touched upon this before about my uh, dating history and the fact that I have very rarely dated white girls. Um, but uh, that, so that, like, my two long-term girlfriends, one was black and one was uh, Chinese, and, like, of course, that has completely different, like, I noticed how uh, people kind of looked at it, like, with my Chinese girlfriend, it was kind of like, oh, I'm a stereotypical Jewish guy with an Asian girlfriend, and mm -hmm. I must love all Asian women now. Mm -hmm. Um Whereas with my black girlfriend, it was kind of like, good on you, buddy. Like, you're, you're like, you're how progressive you are for dating someone. How progressive yeah. you are, yeah, yeah. How progressive like, you are for dating the person you find attractive and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, she was like, basically like supermodel tall, super hot, like way out of my league. And it's like, like, you're basically like, what the fuck are like you Like Grace Jones or not quite Grace Jones? Um, I... I'm blanking, so I don't, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Good um, on you, man. Good on you. Good on you, man. Um, so can I pop my, uh, my, my thing off the stack now? Yes. Oh my God, I forgot it still is on the stack. No, it's okay. Uh, so I remember now I was bringing up the whole, um, this idea of like 
alternative male, not male privilege, but alternative privilege of people in male bodies who don't necessarily conform to uh, uh, maleness, like, you know, being able to take advantage of like this, um, you know, there's that myth of like, Da Vinci was gay, and so therefore he sublimated his homosexuality into his genius, and like, all this type of stuff of like, people who uh, were, you know, oh, Alexander the Great was, you know, gay, or this, or that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, which doesn't even make sense because, like, the ancient Greeks, ancient Romans had very different conceptions of what sexual behavior was right. considered like normal and deviant or whatever. Like, the well, well, on some gay. level, they thought of him as deviant, so maybe he was trans. Like, we don't sure, know whatever sure. it was they thought of him as deviant, and like potentially, like, we don't know that that's true. But there's at least this myth, and you can like kind of tap into it. And so, what I want to say is, we were talking about this idea that tomboys are definitely more accepted than um, than men who go outside uh, the the role of masculinity and i think that's like generally kind of true but the one thing that i think is different that uh kind of um like goes against that a little bit is i think back to like high school and stuff and i think about like the people who in class were like the most domineering personalities who like were you know basically constantly doing the um I, f I am sorry, Mira. I forgot the name of the character you're talking about, but the toxic '90s example. That yeah, you gave. the Brody from Mallrats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people who were doing that shit um, and who were dominating intellectual conversation in class, and like, of course, that gives you a leg up because you now you're learning more, and so when you get to college, you're going to be like more prepared, right? Um, they were mostly like either men who didn't fit like the typical conception of what masculine is, or it would be um, like type A women who were very feminine, who were not in any way like a tomboy or anything like that. Like, like a, like a any any friend I had growing up who was like a woman who didn't fit into femininity, who was like maybe Butch, like was quiet, hmm. not talk. Like, yeah. And I think that's interesting, and I think that also feeds into like the fact that like trans men are like comparatively quite invisible compared to um, trans women. I think. Um, it is frequently the case, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also think there's, um, it's the taboo side of, like, acceptable, more acceptable with the tomboy. It's also, like, I feel like sexually, because most, uh, more people tend to report as being straight than as being, like, bi or gay or whatever. And if mm. you look at, like, so trans women are going to be, you know, it's primarily straight men. And then trans men, it's going to be primarily straight women who are interested. And I think because what straight men are into and what is acceptable is a lot more policed, that uh -huh. a trans woman's body is a lot more taboo according to societal sexual mores than like a trans man's body will be. Um, I think that's definitely true. I also think it's just more hotly contested and discussed because it's like the male gaze thing, right? It's just mm -hmm. like... Yeah, it, it, I mean, what, it's because what, men are concerned sure. about men are concerned about their you know sexuality being questioned if they find attractive someone that they later find out you know yeah. has a penis or you know used to have a penis. Yeah, it's all about the penis. Yeah, exactly. Whereas women, so it's I, like I just I just realized I basically just reworded what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is interesting too on the sort of male gay side. It's kind of, there's this great Margaret Atwood quote where it's like feeling like you're a voyeur into your own life and thinking about like, because there's this sort of dominant expectation of like straight men on your appearance, it, this gets back to what we were saying where it's like, 
okay, if you do the conventional things, if you shave your legs, if you put on makeup, if you put on a dress, it's like, oh, well, this is, that's what men say is attractive. And even if it's, I'm doing it for me, they're going to think I'm doing it for them. And it's like, okay, well, then if you don't, you don't conform, then men are going to see you as like, it's still them seeing you because it's like, I put this gaze and she's like, either she's a rebel and she didn't want it. And she's like the, you know, the teenager fighting against what her parents, you know, rebelling just because her parents made a rule. Or it's like, you know, I, I'm sexist to her and like, she's strong enough to take it. And like, in this sort of like Aaron Sorkin way that we can have like witty banter. Like it's all of it is still like through a male gaze, no matter what you do, you, it goes back to the trans thing too. Like you can be femme or not femme and people are going to call you out either way. It's like for a, any woman, like no matter what you do is going to see, is going to be seen as a reaction to the things that men do and expect. And there's like, there's this idea of like, I, that I can't be doing this thing for whatever it is because I like it and it's always going to be men are going to root it back to like you're doing somehow it's about me right yeah it's interesting because like um something that comes up frequently I think is like uh clothing that is frequently sexualized um in particular it's like um so like I'm really into like, you know, sort of like, I don't know, like punk aesthetic, right? And it's like, I would love to like, you know, be able to like walk around and wear like, you know, a collar or something like this, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, I'm almost certainly never going to do that because it's like, it bothers me a lot when people like assume that this is, you know, sexualized, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's like, part of that is because, you know, it's like, okay, there is an association with, you know, certain like fetish subcultures and things like this. But part of it also is just that it's like, you know, it's like that, like, there's the male gaze thing of like, you know, it's like, oh, are, are women wearing this because, you know, they're trying to, you know, communicate sexual availability or whatever to men, mm -hmm. right? Um, I find that really bothersome, especially yeah, as, an whereas... ace, as an ace person where it's like, I am not sexually available to anyone. I don't want to really talk about it sure like, whereas the, as me the person who's sexually available to everyone yeah it's like i'll wear chokers on first it's all the yeah. time and for me it's kind of like you, know, you just gotta be like nothing is inherently sexual because if you would fuck anyone then like it doesn't matter you know there's no signal yeah. it's like yeah yeah it's to a certain extent if it's kind of like oh this person is like reading me like sexual or even in a certain way is like objectifying me uh, my response will often be like yeah, do it. Like, come on. Like, there, because it's like, for me, it's often like, okay, well, if they're going to do this either way, I might as well, like, lampshade it and be conscious of, like, hey, you're doing this, huh? Huh? Oh, that must mean you really are attracted to me. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, or, you know, I'll talk about it in the sense of, like, that oftentimes is, like, you know, it's, I find a dude will make a sort of inappropriate joke and then I'll up the ante and I'll say something like even more inappropriate and I'll be like, oh, wait a second, you know, because it's like they want to they wanna do this a little and that was the expectation versus like, oh, wait, this woman, like, because in a certain way, a lot of times it's about power, right? And it's like, I'm doing this thing, I'm saying this comment because, like, I'm asserting some amount of power over this woman by commenting on her in a, you know, when she wasn't, she didn't come up to me and ask me to do that. And yeah. if the person responds and even like puts it further, it's like, 
wait, maybe I wasn't actually asserting power over, like, you know. Right. It's, you know, I find that too where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this gets in the case with like using slurs about yourself where it's like, do you weaken the force it has if someone else calls it, calls you that because you're calling yourself that, that I mean, is kind of one of the it's, rationales it's behind a lot, a lot, a decent amount of the slurs. And I think it's different, like, in particular, it's different, I think, between like tranny versus trap because one of, they're both slurs, they both are designed to be negative, but one of them is just kind of designed to be negative without implication and baggage, whereas the other one is designed to be negative and also is saying, is making a point about, a, a point about trans women beyond just, I think they're icky. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I think personally I tend to go a little bit too far down that road of uh, like self-deprecation as a form of rep- reclamation. Like I definitely get in trouble a lot. Uh, so you guys, know I, I, how, I say trans so many times on this podcast. So I'm sure there are some amount of trans people well, who will not like, be okay. Like I, 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 I get in trouble with people who are not Jewish. I get people in trouble with people who are Jewish just because, like, I think I do think Holocaust jokes are funny. I think that, uh, <laughs> like, like, like I, I am one of the most directed, directly affected people that I know. Um, and not, not you know, you in, in my generation, let's be clear about that. Like, it, there's obviously yeah. still survivors alive. Right. I mean, like, sure, that sure, I personally sure. know and that, yeah. Anyway, what? Yeah, I, I think, just... like, I think humor is a way that you can, and self-deprecating humor even, is a way that you can, for p- groups that are marginalized, in order like, to, in a sense, cope with it. Um, it's not just about coping for me, though, too. It's about the fact that I am, I, I f- am frustrated with uh there's actually a term for it philo-semitism but i think this exists for a lot of different groups of people which is a kind of fetishization of treating somebody positively that's condescending that doesn't actually necessarily help and is like this thinly veiled you know nonsense so and, and also like i mean the holocaust it's like liberals beat off to the holocaust like yeah, that's what the, like, wins the Oscar every time, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Western society is so fucking hard for Hitler. Like, you know, and, and I'm sorry, I don't, it, it, this constant Hollywoodization of it, like, I just don't think it's, it, it, like. Yeah, this is why, I mean, I, you know, I, I will, you know, I was joking when I say I'm like the SJW and all this, but like, I really strongly rail against concepts like white guilt because A, you're still taking a thing that is not about white people and you're making it about a white person. You're making it about yourself in, in the same way of like, you know, people, all these liberals giving awards, you know, who are all these liberals who are Gentiles, like fawning over whatever Holocaust movie. But at the same time, it's like that making it about your own feelings is a good way to not actually do anything to resolve the initial yeah. issue that you were feeling guilty about. Right. Right. Like form a circle jerk. right, and it's also like yeah, why exactly. The fuck- that that is actually a very good description. Like, <laughs> and in certain cases, it's like, why the fuck are you feeling guilty too? It's like, did you do something to me? And it's like, oh, the reality is, is that you actually like understand that you would have. Mm-hmm. That's why you feel guilty. But like, the problem is you're separating yourself from me because you don't realize how many Jewish people think the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they think like, oh, if I was not Jewish and I was in Germany, I would have done the same shit. And like, that's you know. That's this thing my dad constantly struggled with, like this feeling of like both being a victim and feeling guilty about like wanting to be the Nazi. Like, 
so yeah i don't know it frustrates me that's interesting. all interesting uh i did want to say that on our twitter you did uh put a post that uh if no one knew you were jewish would be really weird where you were like you know uh, lizzo saying uh, blame it on the juice yeah you guys know that uh that song juice by lizzo jesus no no <laughs> Oh, you it, don't. It, you gotta know that. It's not my fault that something, something, uh, just blame it on the juice. Yeah. So I was like, what about that song, but blame it on the juice? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, if no one knew, that would be so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, in the same way that it's like, you know, if I'm writing or I'm in some sort of forum where it is not explicitly about transness, in particular me being trans, you know, using... The sort of inappropriate language or making jokes about it is like is real bad and a lot of times if i'm around ignorance as people i won't even make slightly off-color jokes right because it's like this there's a chance that it's like i'm doing this for me i get some sort of um catharsis, catharsis out of it but if it's gonna lead to an implication bad thoughts and ideas in cis people's heads about trans people then it's it's a, ultimately doing harm to all the other trans people and like i don't want that and it's like yeah it's, it's kind of like the venue in the same way of like you know you might say bad words you might curse a lot in general but then it's like oh there's a four-year-old around i'm not gonna not gonna say those words now <laughs> i mean as someone with an almost four-year-old i have settled on just make sure that she uses them in proper context yeah never in anger at yes. another person <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's okay to say, fuck yeah, but... <laughs> right, but not fuck you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that makes sense. That's That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I feel like in society, there's this, like... It's a very... Um, I was going to say, it's, it's still this very atomized, libertarian take when you talk about things with, like, white guilt or... Um, you know, guilt for things that have happened a long time in the past, or, you know, like slavery, for instance, where it's like, because we still can't admit that, like, structural problems exist, right. that the system is rigged against people who are not wealthy, white, Christian men, right? Then we have to believe, like, oh, I'm personally needing to feel guilty because the only way I can analyze things is on the personal, atomized, individual level. And if this bad thing happened, and the only way to assess it is what is every individual person, how are they involved, like, that's either going to lead you to the white guilt, or that's going to lead you to the, like, asshole libertarian, like, well, you know, the Irish were slaves too. <laughs> and you say that as a means to say, let's not deal, let's not deal about any inequalities in society right now because I've cited this one fact. Or the like, well, you know, my ancestors came over in, you know, the 1900s, they never owned slaves or whatever. It's like, yeah. Yep. yep. Pretty much. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you, you almost certainly did not listen to the uh, premium episode with my parents. Um, Wait, your parents were on it? Yeah, yeah. I, it was just me and my parents uh, for like a half an hour. Oh shit! I I I'm need to listen to this episode like really it, badly because I want to see that in your play. I, I want to yeah. do I, I want to do uh, uh, another one again. It's not funny at all. It's incredibly tragic and oh, um, I don't want to listen now. Yeah, yeah. It's just like is it weird? I still want to. I'm more interested. But but, it, but it, it's like it's like a perfect example of how like yeah. When I talk to my mom, I often get like. I often end up saying shit that so like in this episode I end up saying like something about how cops should be paid more. So it's bad. So anyway, um, 
your mom like coerced you? No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's just like I'm trying to argue with her, but I'm trying to meet her on the ground a lot. And then like, so I love my mom a lot. I have like probably a codependent relationship with my mom. <laughs> um, and my mom's a Trump supporter. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, but anyway, um, oh, right. Reparations. So I was trying to like convince my mom about reparations. And of course, like her biggest thing is like, I wasn't here. We weren't here. Like, you know, we have no responsibility for that, blah, mm. blah, blah. Um, and so I try to reframe it in like a, it's not about, um, it's not about like this person did something wrong. And so now they're going to, uh, make a payment to make somebody right. It's about like, this is the most efficient way to like fix the structural inequality that is, you know, existent because of this wrong. And it's like, you yeah, know, I, I see this a lot when we talk about like history and things like colonization and the destruction of peoples, whether it's, you know, Caesar and the Gauls versus like, you know, the British colonization, like 19th and, and 20th century, where people will say things like, oh, you know, sources of morality were, were different. Like, you know, we can't hold Napoleon to the same standard we would hold a dictator now. And in fact, if you try and analyze like if you try and analyze like the Roman Empire's economy through the lens of like capitalism or something like that, it's not going to work because you can't because, you know, it's different. That's very ahistorical. Mm. Um, right. And that's all very and you know, some types, usually liberals, will we'll try to do that. Um, and that's all very true. And so that's where for like a lot of the libertarians, like that's where the argument begins and ends. But the response is not like, oh, hey, let's try and judge a 16th century empire by the standards of 21st century world. It's the 16th century empire did things that have had effects that still persist in the 21st century world where we now see things differently. So let's try and resolve the 21st century problems with a 21st century approach. Right. Guilt and causation is not relevant. Right. Right. And, and, and that being said, by the way, I, I want to say like, yeah, this is how I pose the argument. I think this would be a more persuasive way to move forward. But I mean, I do think that there is like a, a, a guilt and justice thing, uh, justice element to it for sure and oh sure like, and i with yeah. something like reparations where you're, where you're talking actual like government action by the same government entity that did the problem like right. then, then you're, yeah you're looking very much at like one state's relationship with itself and its own people right yeah, especially when it's ongoing like it continues you know it's like right. yeah so. versus like oh hey like you know do you want to if you're trying to complain that something the roman empire did has created like inequality that still persists it's that's you know a more thorny question because you're like okay that's an entity that doesn't exist anymore you as opposed to where it's like the american government did this thing at time x yeah. the american government at time y can now remedy the thing yeah yeah totally yep yep cool makes me cool. think of the uh, <laughs> makes me think of the thing with the elgin or the both the elgin marbles and the rosetta stone where it's like crazy imperial ridiculous conflict resulted in this thing but it is still the case that like the wrong place has like plundered art and it's like you could return right. it now like right, right, and like yeah. i understand like with art and stuff like that like provenance again provenance is hard You're, you could make ethical questions of who should own any given painting and i don't think it's useful to go every single piece of art and analyze it endlessly but if you have something obvious like the elgin marbles where it just got looted by like 
one government and then there's another government that has like they Greece built a museum for it specifically with like the temperature and humidity controls that the British said were necessary in order to ensure the integrity of the marbles and then as soon as Britain just refused after Greece made the museum so like we the reason we have remedied, we have fixed the problem, quote unquote, that you say is the reason you can't return them, and now you still refuse to do it. Yep, um, I am thinking of a topic we can start talking about irresponsibly uh, if we so choose. <laughs> Nazi uh, or art that was looted by the Nazis? No, no, no. Uh, but this does kind of brush up against Israel as a uh, oh, discussion. Sure, <laughs> but because, like, because of this idea of you know who who belongs somewhere who's indigenous somewhere right uh while like you know israel is clearly like clearly favors white european jews mm -hmm. you know um who clearly are not indigenous <laughs> right yeah. uh the area um i don't know we can talk about this or we don't have to well but... i mean it also gets into the idea of like uh a place without a people for a people without a place or whatever it's like the, the rationale where it's like a place without a people yeah it's like on the one hand it's like yeah, certain groups have the right to be in certain places. And I think people who are trying to defend Netanyahu and his policies will, will say that again, and that'll be the beginning and the end of the argument. It's like, it's not that that is untrue. It's that there were, all, there were people there. What about the rights of those people? And so it actually reminds me, weirdly enough, of the Title IX discussions we have about sports, where it's like, girls have a right to compete in fairness in sports and all this. And it's like, that is true, but it is only ever the cis girls they're talking about. It's not ever the trans girls. So it's like, in the Israel sense, it's like, it's not that one uh, one of the, you know, people, like, don't get the right. It's that you're only looking at one of the two people that's there. Right, right. The, the one thing that I will say, and maybe this is just, like, a total bias on my part, is I feel like a lot of... Um, a lot of leftists, like, sentiment about this and conversations about this, like, are generally correct, but... I think that the conversation tends to focus on Israel's like right to exist more than on like the fact that Israel does not have a right to oppress Palestinians and prevent them from their self determination. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and and what frustrates me about that is like is that um, a leftist thing. I thought that was like a thing that leftists weren't really like they were like talking more about the rights of the Palestinians than about like what the uh, Israelis are. I think it depends. I think if you look at like the Democratic Party. It is more common yeah. that yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you look more at left leaning, but not like fully leftist. Yeah, like, I think yeah. there's this common line repeated over and over again that Israel should not exist. And frankly, like, okay, yeah, that's probably true. In the same way that like America probably should, should not exist. Have Most states yeah. should not exist, yeah. but it's yeah. kind of like. Yeah. It, yes. It's the same thing with like criminal sentencing, where it's like everyone should be sentenced fairly, and people will respond with like, "Well, don't commit crimes," and it's like. Yes, yeah. in an ideal world, you might not be murdering yeah, random if, people, but if, it's like, given a world in which random people are murdered, like... Right. right. If you think that Israel should be wiped off the face of the earth, you are advocating genocide. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's also like, I feel like when you talk about the, the whether or not it has a right to exist or whatever, that opens the door very easily for a lot of alt-right and Nazi assholes to come in and be like, yeah, why do these Jews give place, you know? Well, dude... I was at a Primus concert, so you know Primus has been like uh, like appropriately critical of Israel, right? Sure. Like they refused to play there. Um, and I was at a Primus concert. There was this dude there with his shirt off and a fucking SS tattoo, full SS tattoo on his fucking stomach. 
Like, I first of all didn't know that about Primus. Really, they refused to play in Israel because yeah, like, yeah. But they're but they're not Nazis. But like, no, no. But, right. but I feel like Jerry was a race car driver who ran over the SS man. Like, is that... yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no. So I, look, the thing is, so you get people like my mom who gets so freaked out by Elon Omar. Believe everything Fox News says oh, about yeah. how oh I can't believe anti-Semitism is on the rise again. Um, you know, uh, uh, like the, uh, the president, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is why I think Ellie Valley's drawings are also effective. Where you have like it's people on the right and they're dressed as Nazis, and it's like I can't believe all this anti-Semitic talk. Well, the main the main thing about that is I feel that people who most occupy the position that Jews occupied before the Holocaust right now are Muslims, and they're the ones we should be like as Jews we should be concerned about, mm-hmm. like. But but that being said, like so, I think what's lost in a lot of this like left right conversation about Israel, like blah blah blah, is um, the I think the structural uh, things that exist throughout the international community that have created the situation that benefit off of it that are bad for Jews and Muslims. That yeah. that like like APAC, how many people in APAC are Christians who basically just want Jews there for some rapture bullshit and like white supremacists and like all this other kind of crazy ass shit. How much of the way Israel exists right now in this kind of precarity is, is is because like the U.S. is dependent upon its like stooge basically that is an other compared to everyone else in the region um, and not like a friend or an ally there. Like if we supported the Kurds, uh, um, um, and, and you know flew in the face of Why everyone, the uh, uh, then like you know. What's that? What's that? <laughs> I, when you said you supported the Kurds, and I was like, "Why PG?" and I said, "Brace Belden, come on our podcast." Yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah. No, like uh, you know, then maybe there might be like a better balance of power there. And yeah, then... I mean, you see this with the like only democracy in the Middle East line that the U.S. loves to repeat, which is the like again, it's the rationale for all the aid we're sending them, all the weapons, mm-hmm. you know. Only democracy, theocratic democracy yeah. allowed. Yeah. Um, right. Only democracy for a certain group of people. Not yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, so I guess my point is, is like, yeah, I'm down with like all the criticism of Israel and stuff, and and with the criticism that anti-Semitism is often used as like a like criticism of anti-Semitism is used as a shield against criticism of Israel. But I also think the conversation needs to the conversation tends to slide too much into blaming specifically the Israelis versus like this idea that there is a bigger picture of things in motion that have... Right. Yeah, it's a structural problem, right? And it's a structural yeah. problem that was exacerbated by, like, British imperialism and... The, yeah, the Balfour Declaration, yeah. the mandate system, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then it elevates people like Netanyahu. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It also frustrates me because APAC is also the name of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee. <laughs> I know! I know! So there's a good... Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just noticed that because I just watched the uh, sex worker uh, philosophy too. Yeah, it's a great video. I loved it. I wonder if uh, what's her face Riley Ray has been on uh, um, the porn podcast that you were telling me about when I was on your pod. No, no. Um, it would be really great if she was. Um, she was. Yeah, she was really great. Uh, so, did did y'all watch um, the Pornhub uh, awards this year? Uh, I haven't yet. I didn't know that it happened. I'm sad I missed the ceremony. I mean, the recording was pretty terrible, but uh, you know that Kanye West uh, uh, designed this, did the set design? <laughs> yeah. 
How did it turn out? It, it looked great, you know. Um, Kanye you know, West did the set design, or uh, Kanye West spent a lot of money to hire people and put his name on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't yeah, know, I but I don't know. I, I but uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I thought that um, Riley Ray's was a great contrast to that because I thought that was a great uh, that was that was a great moment. That was great content. But um, a lot of the performers, like uh, Riley Reed, uh, was up there, and she, like, they were trying to do banter and stuff, and it just was not working uh, out. And she just sounded like super brain dead bimbo. And I want to say, like, you know, I defend brain dead bimbos all day. I think you have a right to be a brain dead bimbo. Uh, you should, you know, that's that's awesome. BDB. That's great. Be that BDB. Uh, and and that and I, you know, I trust that your labor is uh, valuable, and you know, um, but it's good to. Uh, from a Riley uh, raise every now and then, so yeah, more Rileys need yeah. to be represented. Yeah, Rileys in general. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's um, sure. in yeah. it was interesting. In after porn ends, they interview uh, Venus Lux for a little bit, and she talks about different pricing between like cis and trans people, and it was all very like, yeah, it was explained very well, and like the sort of well-spoken descriptions of issues in the industry that, that don't get into the typical issue of like issues in the industry is that there is porn and porn is inherently bad and it destroys relationships and all that. Like that gets it bogged down. And it's like, and again, that makes it difficult to like criticize like, Hey, these performers are misgendered. They're paid less. They're treated badly. Um, because in the response is like, oh, well, they shouldn't do porn, right? And it's just like, that's not, you know, as we've said many other times, that is just a smokescreen to like what the actual issue is. Yeah, for sure. We could just damn, slowly have this turn into yeah. our own porn, I guess. <laughs> Talk about like yeah. favorite videos. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've done, uh, is there, yeah, we, we're doing a lot of time now. Is there any chance we want to, um, at what point does this become uh, our our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're at two hours and twenty minutes recording now. Oh, wow, wow! Is that do, do y'all usually record for that long and then cut it down or something? Or no, we usually oh. end up around like an hour and a half, and then with editing oh. we get to about hour fifteen, hour twenty. So we've been able to captivate you for so long. <laughs> Maybe it's just that I really like talking and I'll take any sort of captive audience and like force my opinions out there. No, I think it's also, it's, it's interesting always to like discuss things like this with people that you haven't discussed them with before, because it's like, it's very easy to like eventually like, you know, with friends or things like this, it's like, oh, we've sort of like, you know, established like, you know, the boundaries of like where our opinions are and like, you know, yeah, or we we know like, oh, this is going to be a typical like. This is going to be, like, the trans girl answer and response, and, like, all the trans girls I know are going to see it this way, and, like, yeah, and then we talk to these cis people, like, what, please explain why you're like this. I I totally thought this was going to be a cis guy answer and response, so. (laughs) I mean, I I think of some questions I could present, but. I'm down, if you, like, if you want that to be the, um, the moment that this becomes our podcast episode uh I, unless you think that's going to be the really juicy bit then uh, i don't want to steal that from you but yeah. um well i mean based on how long we've recorded we could just yeah i don't it, i mean we definitely have what could be two episodes but i don't know how it'll necessarily like get divvied up but i mean most of my 
on the question side, I guess it's like, the one question, the obvious questions are like, guys are into trans women in, you know, with penises or otherwise, and then it's like, and then they don't date them or like come up with these ridiculous reasons. So like explain why. And it's like, I, I don't know how useful that question is going to be because I kind of feel like what the answers are have been discussed in many videos and are decently well known. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's more like, I know for me that it's like, I've seen, and granted what I've seen is probably not going to be entirely genuine because it's going to be slightly filtered and tweaked or whatever. Um, cause it's like men aren't going to reveal their full opinions to the women folk or whatever, but it's like among dudes that I know, if someone like one of their friends or whatever is dating a trans woman or is into trans women or something like that, it's like, it is kind of what ContraPoints said in the one video where it's like, sure there are women, but, or if you're into that sort of thing. And it's like, it's oftentimes seen as like, I feel like it can weirdly be seen as a sort of nit, even if the person isn't like viewing this other man in the sense of like, oh, this person's dating someone who's not fully a woman, that he ends up kind of viewing it as like this person's doing some sort of deviant behavior as if kind of similar to like if this person was dating like, um, you know, a woman who was outside the realms of conventionally attractive, like he was dating a woman, like a... I, I kind of see the most similar reaction to, like, dudes when one of their friends is dating some uh, girl who's fat. I kind of see okay. the, like, oh, yeah. well, like, okay, like, I wouldn't, but that's, like, that's, like, Jerry's thing, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jerry. <laughs> yeah, he drives uh, a race car and, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's a chaser. Yeah, okay, so I can tell you about some of the uh, interplay that goes on between, like, me and my friends and our, like, different preferences and stuff, but... I say that like um, I can't speak to this particular phenomenon. I have never dated a trans person, um, and that's really just because I don't know. I mean, not that I know of. Obviously, there's probably some trans people that I actually have uh, was really, that I interact with that I don't know are trans, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just in general do not know trans people. Um, I'm sorry to say. Uh, so yeah, um, but. Uh, but that being said, like in terms of like, I've heard a lot of women complain about this phenomenon. I, th I think it's just a fuckboy thing, really. It's just like, it's it's, yeah, you that that's that's all it is. Like it it could be it could happen to any person, any woman. Like uh, you're just fucking somebody who's not serious about it, and so it falls apart. And I don't I don't I I can't rule. I think that there probably does exist that element of um, like guys who date trans women, but then have like some kind of sense of shame with their family or something. But I can't relate to that personally. Uh, so I can't really speak to that. Um, yeah. And... The other interesting thing I'll notice with men is if I'm talking about like, um, you know, I'll say something like, I'll, I'll again, bring up the ContraPoints video where it's like, it's not in any way, like it doesn't, there's no like gayness in being into a trans woman or no like straightness because you know the your straightness is not defined by not going out with trans women or whatever and then i'll i'll say this and guys will you know give me kind of like a uh-huh sure sort of response and then like in the same breath i'll be like yeah and trans porn is one of like the most popular types and they'll be like 
Oh yeah, totally. Like I, I would imagine it's like super popular in like all the states or whatever, and it's just like this weird disconnect of like. On the one hand, it's seen as somehow not desirable, but then in the same breath, they'll be like, oh, of course, everyone's into this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess because I already am perceived as not straight by most of my friends, like, <laughs> it's not, it's not across my mind, like, no, it's just true, like. It's a pretty um, good way to be perceived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly, like, and so never, you know, that doesn't bother me. I think that there, I probably do have friends who think that, but it's just like, if I was talking to a friend, they're like, oh, if you like. Uh, if you like being with a woman who has a dick, like that makes you a little bit gay. I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't think, so that, that's kind of weird. But the one thing I, I, I think that would, you'd maybe want to hear about that would relate to this, that I think you'd find interesting is like the conversations I have with friends of mine who are conservative about race, mm-hmm. um, in terms of dating, because yeah, so I'm Jack Harkness. I date everything, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, and my friends know that, and my friends know that like, I also will hook up with guys and stuff, and I'll just do stuff that they don't do. Uh, you know, but my more conservative friends, and you know, we're not talking about our good boy Alex over no. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, but I, I have some friends who I'm not sure that they would ever date a black woman. Um, yeah, like I have one friend in particular who's like definition of women that he would date and finds attractive is just like exceedingly painfully narrow and it's just like that's gotta be a that's gotta be hard for you dude like um it's just like white women with like really good educations and really good job like careers that are like very normy it's like yeah i hear that from other people too it's just like you gotta like open up to like but but, but does he also does this guy also really like vanilla ice cream I okay, no, I'm no, gonna no, intercede. No, okay, no, vanilla no. gets a very bad rap as a flavor. I hate this idea no. that it's what's associated with boring. And there's so much. There's, I mean, it is a subtle sort of flavor, but there's all so much variety uh, and range. This is and and I know, I know. This, this is the weird thing though about this guy in particular so, yeah. that I'm thinking about. So he's like, he is actually one of my closest friends, and and he's not actually that guy. He's yeah. not the vanilla ice cream guy. Like, cause he's also, um, I remember we were talking one time he was like, uh, oh, uh, oh shit. You know what? I'm typing him like totally wrong. He confuses the fuck out of me. Cause I remember one time we were like hanging out at a bar. He's like, ContraPoints is fucking hot as shit. I'm like, yeah, ContraPoints is fucking hot as shit. So it's like, I guess. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a stop and have a moment in that with her lingerie look. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and also like he's super into chicks with, uh, tattoos. So that's the thing. But like, I think when it comes to specifically what he would date, I don't fucking know. It's very confusing to me, but especially the part about not wanting to ever date black women, like that really upsets me. Like, it's like, keep it to yourself. Um, I feel like I, I know a lot of guys who say shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of guys of color who say shit like that. And uh, it's just like, yeah, keep it to yourself, your preferences or whatever they are, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like too, those people saying it like, yeah, it's I, I don't I don't even believe them. Like I, I it's clearly right. coming from a sort of racist place where they're equating like black women with like they're thinking either like women who are like super dark or very like masculine looking right, if, or like, yeah, it's like and then you show them Beyonce and like of course they would right. like, cook up. A if a black woman conforms to their idea of uh, of uh, beauty, then they just be like, oh, she's not actually black. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that it is people who are not used to thinking about identity and who are afraid that 
if they did, then it would be more likely that this person would have, you know, their race as part of their identity, as opposed to just, you know, as an attribute um, on them. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit. I'm confused. So basically, like, I guess, like, a person who, um, like, takes the fact that they're, you know, black as part of their actual identity, like who they are, as opposed to, you know, this is my skin color, right? An attribute about me. Uh, similarly to like, you see this sometimes with like um, people of various, you know, religions where it's like, there are people who like, it's part of their identity that they're, you know, Mormon or, uh, you know, Protestant of some sort or something like this uh, versus like, oh yeah, you know, my parents go to this church. Like I go sometimes, you know, whatever. Um, I guess it, it it's a, so are, are you saying that if um, – are you saying that like white men who don't want to date outside their race like don't want to think about their racial identity? Well, I think I'm, I'm – I guess what I'm wondering is like if it's people who are not used to thinking about their own identity and think of that as like, you know, identity politics bad or whatever, right? Um, okay. And so like I'm wondering if the same people would be like, you know, um, uh, like hesitant about dating like – um, hardcore feminists or something like this, right? Where it's like, okay. this is not just a person who, you know, is a woman. It's a part, it's a person who like, um, you know, takes, you know, the fact that she is a woman as like part of her, you know, like of who she is, right? So, so you're saying like maybe the aversion is like, they don't want to be with somebody who they think will like pull them into discussions about right. race or about, yeah. Um, I don't think that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that's possible. I, I mean, definitely in the um, won't date a feminist thing, that's definitely the case. Sure. Uh, like, I've definitely yeah. met people like that, and I guess that's why I was trying to... No, yeah, I work. mean, I think that, like, most men, when they're talking about these types of things, are being purely, uh, like, male gaze, like, aesthetic. Okay. It, there's no, yeah, there's no conception of, like... What I find interesting are the types of men who want to date a woman who is gone through all the, let's say, strictures of what is appropriately feminine. Like, they very much want a woman who has, like, long hair, a little bit of curl, who's definitely done her makeup, who has, like, wears dresses and accessories and all this. And, like, those same men will, like, hate whenever like women want to talk about these things so they're like you know they'll be like makeup is dumb and girly i don't want to talk about it and if a girl shows up without makeup they're like oh she must be sick yeah um my personal like rule about stuff is uh i i will never um i will never hold as a uh aesthetic ideal uh a woman um shaving anything i'm not willing to shave myself <laughs> yeah which i i mean i say this which i find even more appropriate about me like dating women well it's like well i do it so like right yeah. right i put my money where my mouth is it's a bit like it's a bit like how um the japanese chefs if they want to pat the last test to like be able to cook and serve people fugu in a restaurant they have to prepare it for themselves and eat it and it's like yeah, if you want to serve the thing that might kill people, you should be the first one to test. Um, I, I'll actually say this is one thing that um, I think erodes, kind of makes it so that I am less uh, forward, like in terms of 
like if I'm at a bar or something, like I'm less likely to go up to somebody and I'm less likely to be confident. Um, is not so much that I think I'm going to get rejected. It's that I'm afraid I won't get rejected. And I think it's just tragic that I look around, especially in New York, and I just see so many like mediocre looking ass men with like fucking super, super hot. Super like, hot. You know, the hot women they're with will usually have like very expensive handbags. They'll have mm-hmm. Christine Louboutin shoes and everything. And it's like, I think I understand a little bit when, of this. When, it, when, it, when it's past a certain, that's true. When it's past a certain point. But it's like, honestly, like not even that. Like, like it's like, I just feel like beauty standards are just so completely different. And like the, the bar is just, and, and especially, I know it's not like this uh, everywhere. It's, it's you know what this is? It's the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend episode with the woman getting ready song. And she's yeah, like yeah. hours doing the things and the guy is asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, uh, that always bothered me. And, and to be clear, like, so that everybody knows that I'm not, um, in some bullshit white knight nonsense. Uh, this is because of my personal, uh, uh, like, just to psychoanalyze myself. Uh, these are this all has to do with my own internalized uh, feelings about my mom because I uh, hate the idea of a woman doing more labor than me mm-hmm. uh, so that she can hold it over my head. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not at all like a like a it's still misogyny in some level, but yeah. Um, Look at you being your own therapist. Yeah. <laughs> You don't even need a friend now that you can dump it on. <laughs> oh, well, we were talking about this emotional load thing. Think about how many emotional loads we've been dumping on every, our podcast. Yeah, we're true. just dumping emotional loads okay. left and right. Look, I would feel that um, most um, men, in particular, when they get together to make a podcast, like it's really just about them dumping their own loads, like. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's what this whole podcast is. This was all about. Yeah. But then we saw y'all and we were thinking, you know, hey, you know, maybe they can, they have a good uh, a value add proposition. You know, it's like. I like training. how they pick at their own moons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And and so. Sometimes until they bleed. Look, you can, you can stop being Catholic, but the masochism never goes away. No, it's true. <laughs> One chapter to uh, another. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> are we about juiced? Is our is our brains? Mush? Are yes. we gonna blame it on the Jews? Yeah. Right, we're gonna blame it on the Jews. No. No. Uh, no. no, we're not. <laughs> can you name the episode? <laughs> no, you. Can. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. You know, I saw a guy in a uh, uh, right next to a. Uh, Radio City Music Hall when I was like uh, a couple days ago had a big old sign that was just like Fox News, Jews, uh, MSNBC, <laughs> Jews. Oh, oh my god! And then and like and then it was just like you know it was one of those things. One of those. Oh. Honest, uh, yeah. Go on. Sorry, not to spoil the movie for anybody, but when me and Alex were watching Hobbs and Shaw, there's this moment in it where uh, they're like talking about this organization that the villain works for. And then they're like, and they control the media. Yep. And then, <laughs> yep. I know it's just so simply too. They control the media. Anyway, that guy, that guy was just like, yeah, the Jews control the media. And like the funny, the, the thing about it was just like he was like being really like, you know, he would just like kind of follow a person behind them with this sign. And I'm just like, what are you doing? What's your angle? Yeah. Know, was he just like? Because this has actually happened to me on on a couple of occasions that people have shouted anti-Semitic slurs at me. Nice. Um, and I'm not Jewish, and I think they just looked at me and were like, she looks kind of Jewish. 
exactly. based on their very like you know bigoted uh, uh, interpretation of what a Jewish person can look like. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I once when I was in Britain, uh, <laughs> I think this might have been the strangest insult I'd ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> so I was walking. I had an umbrella because it was Britain. It was raining. Um, as always. So I passed no. this guy whose dog was off leash and clearly not trained, not trained for it. So um, the dog like comes up to me and like, you know, I just kind of keep walking cause it's raining and like, I don't want to pet some random person's dog and you know, without asking all this, the dog keeps following me. I'm not doing anything to encourage it. Like he's just managed to not train his dog very well. And so it follows me a little bit further, a little bit further. And then at one point, the guy starts, like, grumbling and, like, blaming me for the fact that his dog is, like, not obeying his commands, right? And then, so yeah. I just, I, I don't respond, I keep walking, and then I hear, like, uh, yeah, you keep going, you umbrella-holding cunt. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I'm like, how is umbrella-holding an insult? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, I, th- 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 there's so many things that, like, women have told me about like their social interactions that i'm like i have some stories that kind of relate but like oh no nothing relates to that i mean i I also think that the use of the word cunt is like a pretty like broadly applied yeah it's uh, more common in in europe for sure it's like if you're if you're working class in britain then like you just just, yeah throw that word in every once in a while right right yeah um it's i think there was a reddit thread of like weird insults and i think my favorite that i read was uh, check out this Christmas tree looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, have y'all ever uh, had a uh, Uber driver masturbate in front of you? <laughs> I've had, when I've been walking in the streets of New York down this like alley where there was only one car, there was a guy who was shouting things at me while I was walking past and he was masturbating. So I've had that experience, but like that, that's something that blew my mind. Like when I heard my female friends talk about that, it's just like, um, yeah, that's one thing. Like if you tell me that people like yell at you on the street or something, or like they say nasty things to you or they try to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, that stuff kind of happens to me every now and then too. Um, and actually what happens to me, which is interesting. So I have a very nice ass. And I'm very good at dancing. <laughs> Every now and then I me will Me too. Get it's, you know, you can join the club with me. <laughs> yeah. So, no, every, every now and then, especially like I'm at a bar, some guy will come up and like, yeah, basically just like kind of grope me casually and I'll be like, the fuck is that? All right. Um, and, and you know what's weird? It's not usually a guy that I would think is gay. I feel like it's a straight guy who's just like mm-hmm. a certain, a certain Yeah, it's like there's two straight guys at the gym who are always like working out right next to each other, grunting loudly while they're looking at each other, passing back the bar to, to curl it. Yeah. Something like that. It's so not Super bad, straight. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what that guy thinks of it as and like wants to do some DL shit with me or whatever. But like the way it per- I perceive it because it's usually a guy who's way taller than me. Mm-hmm. Like the way I perceive it is mm-hmm. like you're asserting this. This is very ancient guy. Roman. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's weird. But, uh, uh, anyway, so like I can relate to a bunch of little things like that, but when it comes to like the straight up, just masturbating in front of you, like in public or like in an Uber, like whatever, I'm just like, what the Was fuck? he still, dr- was he driving with only one hand? <laughs> I, dude, I don't fucking know, man. Like, rub one out I, in the light or something. I, I, I was hanging out with like three girls, and they were all saying that this has happened to them at various different points. Oh, I don't doubt it. I'm just saying, like, 
that requires a certain level of dexterity uh, from yeah. part of the driver. Yeah, it's just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, dude, fucking animal. <laughs> yeah, I can't say it's ever happened, but, you know, I've only... It's only been a year since I transitioned, so... <laughs> Yeah. You, you'll know you've made it when. <laughs> just just go to New York. See what <laughs> if you can if you can get an Uber driver to masturbate in front of you here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Tagline for the episode right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's tragic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely know there's the experience I feel like with some Trans women. It's the it's the contrapoint quote of like if I get called a trap, I'm like oh, a transphobe till I look like a woman. Oh goodness! It's this like oh catcalling. It's terrible and shouldn't be done, but it's done to me, so it's validating. And it's like yeah, just kind of the levels of how fucked up yeah, people no, are that. in the world and like what is expected of women. There was um I think I think you mentioned in one of your episodes you said something about um Tucker Carlson was saying some fucked up transphobic shit obviously um uh, but then it's some he said something like uh I, oh it was like trans people in the military he said i only want to see trans women in my porn or something like that and uh i mean when, that sounds uh, like something that he was thinking yeah I, I can't remember this but i, I know uh, i'm certainly uh, like maybe i heard somewhere else i heard that somewhere i didn't hear it straight from the tucker's mouth but um but it's like it sounds like something he would say and it's like well oh i probably said this in the sense of like that is what I think that he's thinking. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I bet you he said it. I bet you I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. All right. I was going to say, like, because that, that is offensive and, like, dehumanizing at the same time. It's revealing the fact that, like, you know, yeah. He yeah, and I think it's the fact that when you have men and whenever they're, like, opposed to trans women and they want to make the argument that, like, they're actually men or whatever, they, like... It always ultimately comes down to genitals in like a very sort of obsessive and explicit way. And it's like, I don't want to think about like, you know, it's not a woman if like, you know, you go into the bathroom with the other woman and you all don't have clothes on. And then this woman takes off her panties and then you see that she has a dick and it's like really big. But the rest of her body, like it might be feminine, but she's got that dick that's like really big. And it's like, okay, dude, I think I know where this is coming from for you. Wait, wait, wait. What did you just say? Sorry, I was, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I uh, yeah, got a little excited, but okay. Um, anyway, um. Uh, <laughs> One thing I'll say is I kind of was thinking back about this and remembering um, my own experience with like discovering sexuality in general. And when I first started looking at porn and maybe I was like, I want to say 13 or something, right? Um, Serious catalog. I found vaginas terrifying. <laughs> like, like uh, and, and actually that's why I was like so into like blowjob or like anal porn for a really long time because it's like I don't want to see vagina. Vagina is like crazy to me. Like what the fuck is that? Um, wow, you were supposed to start with porn with two cis women. What are you that's you're not following the trajectory here. I know. What the fuck is that? I don't even understand that. I don't get that. Like who, who am I supposed to be in that scenario? I don't know. What? <laughs> no, I mean, that's no. why I really like I'll watch porn where sometimes it's two trans women, but um, sometimes with like guys or cis women or whatever. And for me, it's like kind of always need 
or at least one of the people to be a trans woman because like I can much more easily imagine that I'm in that scenario. Whereas, yeah, like you said, if it is two cis women, it's like, I can kind of get into this scenario, but it's not quite the same because it's not someone who like really has my own body. So. Right, right. Um, so yeah, this isn't really like in the way that I kind of thought about it, but um, but in regard, my point is, is that, so I don't think it's natural to be afraid of any genitals. <laughs> I think that's something that's definitely a product of our like bullshit modesty stuff, right? Right. Um, but but the fact is, is that like the the sight of a vagina when I was thirteen was such a shocking thing to me because I had never conceived of what it could possibly look like in my fantasies. It was just a hole. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like this whole thing, and it's intimidating, and you're like fuck. And then even when I started to have sex, like you know it was still like kind of intimidating. So yeah. And I feel I guess like I, a lot of dudes who will be like, I couldn't date a woman who has a penis. They have these similar, like weird hangups about right, vaginas. Right. And I wonder how much of this is just the whole, like, a, it's a thing you don't have. So it's going to seem foreign or strange or whatever, but B like how much is the fact where it's like figuring it out. It's like, it's things inside it that I can't like entirely exactly see. And it's the whole, like, am I going to be able to find everything like that leads to some of that like, anxiety whereas like with penis it's like okay I, I know what it looks like and where everything is and like I might not do the things super well but like I know exactly where I'm supposed to be whereas like you know it's this sort of again b-level comedy show anxiety of the dude being like all oh, the parts down there i don't know how they work like well, well so so it's that but it's also something like deeper and more fucked up i think which is that like because i had made it till 13 without seeing a vagina right like when i saw one i was like there's an orifice there that's not supposed You're to like, be there where are the teeth supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> like like and the idea of penetrating it, oh like like you, you're like, oh, I'm doing damage to like, like this is <laughs> damage. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I know it sounds insane, but like, but like this is literally like what, I don't know. Maybe may, it I, was. I mean, maybe. it's a similar experience for me because when I saw it, and then you know, porn where there's penetration and all that, like, it was all you know, super straight cyst basically, right? Because you know, I was growing up sheltered, conservative little child. And for me, it was, like, I didn't enjoy it, and it was super dysphoric. And, like, thinking about, like, when I was still pre-transition, like, thinking about my body as, like, and, and seeing it as a male body, and it would be seen by the other person as a male body, and any sort of penetrated act there was just, like, completely impossible and, like, is super right. dysphoric. And now it's, like, now I can do that fine, which I, is not the case for a lot of trans people still, uh, for a lot of trans women still, but for me, it's, like, Okay, I can do that now because it's like it's very clearly between two women and right. so much of yeah thinking about it and like watching porn and stuff pre-transition was about the fact that one of the participants was a man so yep yeah there needs to be just more better porn out there I agree <laughs> yes <clears throat> totally yeah <laughs> I'm glad I was I mean I was offered once I should have taken it off <laughs> really I was offered like good pay too, like com well based on what Phoenix Lux was saying. I was offered, <laughs> I was offered more for a shoot than it seems like a lot of trans women would get on their first time. Jeez, wow, that sounds pretty good. Oh, uh, do y'all do y'all uh, hear this thing about uh, Mia Khalifa saying she made twelve grand total in all her? Yes, uh, I saw that. Yeah, 
it's, what? Like, I find it hard to believe because she doesn't look like she's starving. Like, I feel like she's definitely monetized this. But on the other hand, I'm not saying that there isn't a ton of exploitation in any industry. Yeah, um, so I'm not certain, like, you know, it's like, okay, like, she may be making, like, you know, money on, like, from different means, but it would not be surprising to me if, like, actual royalties on, you know, like, shoots that were then, like, sold for money, like, most of that is not going to the actors. Right. Um, yeah, that sucks. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, that settles that. <laughs> I'm just waiting until someone who does, like, left two videos starts, like, branching out into the, like, um, premium Snapchat. You know, that becomes a side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Because it definitely could be. I, you know who I think actually flirts with that the most is Red Scare. Um, like, well. Yeah, yeah, a good amount. I, yeah, what made me think about it was me and Mulder talking about how, like, for her recent video, um, some of the shoots and ending up with, like, a lot of footage. And not footage that she used, ultimately, but that was, like, pretty lewd or whatever. And, mm -hmm. like, her talking about, like, if I ever branched off into this in the future or something like that. Which I think would be interesting, specifically for people who... Um, are doing content where it's like, you know, whether it's um, Ollie of Philosophy 2, uh, H. Palmer guy, Sean, whoever, like, there's this implication that sexuality and things involving sex and the physical is somehow, like, opposed to the intellectual. And it's like, you can be, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a weird sort of Madonna horror complex thing going on where it's like, you can be the smart, sophisticated person, or you can be the person who takes their clothes off for money, but you can't be both. Right. And the only person I feel like currently who kind of tries to, in a sense, um, tie both together and show that it's possible is Dita Von Teese. With her okay, whole, I like, I have all this, like, interest in, like, very nice dresses and I'm very particular about my appearance and I will, like, buy old vintage gear and, like, collect, like, old dresses that, like, famous performers used and stuff like that. But, you know, is also a burlesque dancer. Yeah, you're making me think, like, I think if I could find a porn where, like, uh, the people fucking are, like, discussing some, like, deep intellectual conversation. There's, it, it, there's I, a rare comedy um, novel where this does happen. <laughs> Yeah, that would probably that would work for me pretty good. Because yeah. it's um the the prostitute involved is like a college student studying philosophy, and like <laughs> so they talk about like Hegel while she's giving him a hand job. Yeah, that's yeah. It's that's, very that's it's what you'd expect of Murakami, right? Um, mm. <laughs> there's um, um oh what was I gonna say about something about Dita Montes? Oh, she actually has this like because when she's talking about um aesthetic and sexuality she has this good discussion where she's talking about like things like lingerie it needs to be something you're comfortable in because it's not going to be as sexy as it could if you're wearing a thing that doesn't work for you and then so she talked about like if i was with a guy and he wanted me to wear like you know a cheerleading skirt and bobby socks you know this sort of schoolgirl style like outfit which is a very popular lingerie option is you know featured in a lot of porn and a lot of fantasies is is certainly something associated with with sexuality, with, with, you know, male gay, straight male sexuality. And Dita Montese doing burlesque, also very much associated with, you know, sexuality in a, again, in a sort of dominant cultural straight male way. 
Um, but she's like, but I wouldn't do it because that wouldn't make me feel comfortable. And it's like, just, you know, because I'm a person who is sexual or I do things involving sexuality doesn't mean that, like, the whole range of things is appropriate for me. And, like, in, in a sense, part of beauty and aesthetic is not that, like, everyone right. is attempting the same thing. It's that this person clearly has a defined style for them that they enjoy. Like, right. that's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that the movies of the future will just like like porn and regular movies will just fuse into one we can go see like fast and the furious and they're fucking at some like some point i, Honestly, I think at some point that yeah there'll be like a game of thrones so, type story where everything is visible and the people are actually having sex so i rewatched yeah. the matrix reloaded last night and getting ready for matrix 4 yeah of course um like, I think I only ever saw Reloaded and Revolutions once each when they were in theaters. Uh, so it's been, you know, like almost 20 years now or something. But yeah. um, Shit, there is cool. a large portion of that movie, like by time, um, that is, you know, basically just like the big like orgy scene or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, Sensei also quite frequently. Oh, yeah, that orgy has, scene. Yeah. And like yeah, the particular Not as explicit as the birth scene. That the particular got. orgy scene, like at the whatever it is, the end of the second season or something like that. But like, also just like I feel like it comes up pretty frequently, and it's like, it's done in, it's filmed in like an attractive and tasteful way that is like mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It is like, it feels somewhat porn like in the way it's being portrayed, but like not, like, gross and, like, gazy sort of... Yeah. Oh, well, I think of something, like, Eyes Wide Shut or The Handmaiden, where it's, yeah. like... Yeah, it's simulated, but it's, like, it's so fucking close that it's, like, hey, my first response is, like, how are they simulating all of that? Like, <laughs> that must be so awkward to these women who are, like, this, like, how are they getting this close but not actually doing what they're doing? Like, it seems, like... Yeah. But it's, like, it it's showing so much and so explicit already that, like... You know, just the sound effect or the fact that, like, she puts her mouth somewhere and then comes up and then you see, like, a little bit of, like, there's, like, clearly liquid that's, like, slightly glistening around her mouth. Like, holy shit. Like, you know, it's, like, it's going to get to a point where they're, like, you might as well just have them have sex because you've been that explicit. Like, I've heard uh, uh, porn stars talk about how uh, sometimes softcore scenes are, like, harder to do than that. An oh, actual yeah, no, I can totally believe that. Just like bumping against each other's torsos like over and over again. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and boring, you know. Hmm. Uh, uh, but um, in terms of, so yeah, I, I think there's definitely tasteful examples of it. But then there's like obviously plenty of tasteless examples. <laughs> and I think Game, like Game of Thrones yet again. Well, most yeah. HBO shows. <laughs> well, in general, when there's sex scenes in movies and television, it's punctuate something in some sort of way so if it's tasteless it's just gratuitous and if it's not it's still like a big deal because it's kind of shocking to the viewer so maybe if we can get to like a point where it's not shocking anymore like it can just be like two like like we'll know we've made it when like two married people can have like boring sex and like it can be like awkward and uncomfortable and like, <laughs> about something and there can be like important plot points like within that like where they actually like have an emotional like you know something going on like rather than um uh rather than just purely the sex itself yeah yeah i think 
I don't know, when people are, you're watching people who are, like, actually into each other having sex, I, I tend to think that's, like, super hot. And I think that's one of the reasons with a lot of times porn can be, uh, people get, like, turned off by it or not enjoy it much as, like, I can tell this is very clearly fake. They, these right. people have no actual attraction to each other. It's, it's mechanical. They're just putting one thing in another thing. Right. It's not right. like this yeah. person, uh, oh, yeah. are, you oh, know, yeah. wants this person so badly, like, immediately. Yeah. I'll you gotta go for the homemade stuff. <laughs> yeah, stuff. it's I. Well, I mean, I have obviously, but <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But see, then that's dangerous there too, because like, yes, that's super hot, but then you're waiting in the territory where you're like, oh, is this person trapped? Like, what's going on here? Like, this video. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair, fair, fair. You hope they're uh, vetted a little bit. I this guess. girl's looking a little young. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. So we've now been going three hours. I need to leave. Uh, okay, yeah, we should probably. Uh, dang, three hours. Good yeah. job, everyone. Yeah, uh, we're all so that interesting that we talked oh, three hours with no like topic or plan or setup. No. Other no. than hey, you see that contraplane video? <laughs> <laughs> that has been. We uh, Alex and I have to go. Uh, we're gonna go to our high school reunion. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, why would you do that to yourselves? I don't know. Uh, Why are we doing that? Well, we're going to make a podcast about it. Yeah. So, oh, I want to. I'm definitely want to hear that episode. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, this has been a blast. Yeah, thanks um, for yeah. having us on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Alrighty. Thanks for cool. having us. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, you know, y'all are actually uh, uh, helping, well, at least me, um, in terms of uh, the likelihood that I will not get fired. Uh, increases because now um, my podcast I can kind of spin it to my uh, HR department as like this like uh, you know pro LGBTQ. Um, <laughs> and, and, You're doing and, outreach yeah. to the trans. Yeah, and they and 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 they like that, right? So um, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna virtue signal with our podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, so. yeah, fair. Like, to, uh, to two bad things you could say now. You did this, and now you're like, oh, uh, cool. yeah. uh, no. it might be the other way around, I think. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. All righty. Thanks All so right. much, guys. Yeah, thanks. We'll okay. talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.